On today's episode, hear about how one educator finds ways to bring EdTech into her elementary school classroom, discover how to develop your students into creative communicators, and play a game of EdTech Linux. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of EdTech Bites. Mike Cesar, Kelly Prideri, and Kim Lantrup back with you and ready to dive into everything related to the world of education and educational technology. Follow us on Twitter at DCPS EdTech Bites to join the conversation. Kelly and Kim, anything fun you guys are looking forward to this weekend? Exciting? If, if lawn mowing is fun, <laughs> then uh, yes, I am. <laughs> it's either a mowing lawn or laundry. I or... love a very exciting life, you, you guys. <laughs> so, like, how high is your grass? Is it, like, jungle level? No. Okay. Jungle. I've been maintaining it really well That's since good. the weather's gotten warm. I'm That's... very proud of myself. <laughs> and there's been a lot of rain, so I'm sure it's pretty... Just the weeds. The grass is normal. It's just, <laughs> just weeds. The weeds. <laughs> going wild everywhere. That's, that's the trouble with grass. It's like, I know the next day, weeds. Yeah, that's awful. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's going to look great. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I don't do the grass at our house, so <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Matt doesn't let me touch the lawnmower, so it's, we got a little riding one. We all know I would just drive it right into the pond behind my house, so <laughs> I'm in charge of the inside where things are safer. <laughs> But I do have a fun weekend coming up. On Saturday, I am going to the Alhambra Dinner Theater Ooh. with some of my girlfriends because my birthday is coming up, and so is yours, Mike. Yes, it is. We have birthdays a couple days apart, and we're going to see Jersey Boys, the musical, oh, and fun. have dinner and stuff. So that'll be a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm jealous. I don't really have anything planned, but um, Saturday morning, my wife is going to grab coffee with a friend and is going to bring Bennett. So it's just daddy-daughter time. So I think her and I are going to go grab some coffee at Southern Grounds at the beach, which we like to go and sit outside, and maybe we'll go run on the beach for a little bit. That sounds fun. I'm excited for that. fun. Yeah. Um, So for this episode, we have a great show planned for you today. Starting with our appetizer, where we'll be talking with gifted elementary school teacher and how she creates engagement in her elementary school classroom with technology. Then in our main course, we'll be diving into our fifth ISTE standard called Creative Communicator. Finally, in our dessert, we'll be playing a game of EdTech Limericks with our guest. All right, let's move on to the appetizer. Okay, for our appetizer today, we would like to welcome on a very special guest. Her name is Kimberly Niebauer, and she's currently an elementary school teacher in Duval County Public Schools. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Uh, let's just start by, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you teach and the students you serve? Sure. Um, I teach elementary gifted, which is a one day a week pull out. Um, and I teach kindergarten through fifth grade. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So one day a week, the students come to you each grade, different day of the week. Yes. K one comes together, but the other grades are all on their own day. Okay. And what, do you, what differences do you have to prepare every single time the different grade comes in? I can't imagine so, that because I was yeah. a high school teacher and I had one grade. I can't imagine the differences that you see every day. Right, right. So um, I try to figure out what's appropriate for them based mm-hmm. on their grade level. So, for example, if I'm teaching coding with my younger kids, I'm going to use something like Scratch Junior and Bbots. But with my older kids, I might use Scratch or um, Coding in Minecraft and use the Botleys, which both are sets of programmable robots robots but at different levels that's really cool (laughs) i love that you're doing that with k and one already too because just think of where they're going to be by the time they get out of elementary school that's really awesome right it's pretty it's pretty powerful um they often go and then show other kids what they're doing and they're you know they're talking to their parents about it they're talking to their teachers about it and it's it's really cool how did you get into teaching stem Ooh, so gifted has really evolved over the years um i've 
been doing this a long time. (laughs) (laughs) And um, initially when we first started, it was not very STEM based, but I really in 2018 really started getting into technology Mm -hmm. and um, my uh, teaching partner at the time was very into science. That was her background. And so between those two things, we just started doing more and more with with STEM in the classroom. And now we have the lending library where we can borrow the Lego sets and the robots and everything. And that's really been helpful. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the lending library. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, what so, other kind of things do you have within the lending library for your teachers? Um, so right now I have three different sets of Legos mm-hmm. um, to require you to have a tablet or a computer connection. Um, mm-hmm. And then one is uh, just building different sets of Legos and, and using them. Um, to learn about like things like physics and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and then they also loan out the B-Bots and the Botleys. Um, and they do a couple of other things. Like So they'll come in your classroom and do extension lessons for you. They do makey-makey. That's um, cool. mm-hmm. And they do straw connectors. Hmm. Um, and they're constantly adding more stuff to the library, which is cool. Nice. I know That's you're awesome. yeah. you're doing a ton with Minecraft, and oh, I know you have yes. some student ambassadors. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, I just got into Minecraft a couple of years ago. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Um, but it's so weird. It really kind of spoke to me, like because there's so much you can do with it. You can you can take a lesson that's already there. You can modify that. You can start from scratch. You can make it do anything you want it to do, mm-hmm. and the kids love it, and they're always engaged. Like. I don't think I've ever had a kid be like, oh, Minecraft, we're doing Minecraft. No, it's never like that. And then as far as the um, Student Ambassador Club goes, um, I did a training with um, Atlanta Public Schools, mm-hmm. and I was just like, this is this is awesome. And then, you know, t- the hardest part about that was narrowing it down because so many kids applied. Mm-hmm. And so, right. How many kids did you have apply? I remember oh, that like, being huge. Like 100, over yeah. 100, yeah. Wow. And so then we, we were like, okay, well, we're going to – let teachers make recommendations and and go from there. So we have about 45 in the club. That's amazing. That's still a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. It is. But I'll tell you one of the best parts, too, was there were teachers in my school that were like, I don't know a thing about Minecraft, but if you need a grade level sponsor, I will help. And and so we have a a teacher at each grade level that that works with the club, and um, we meet monthly. And so then those teachers split up and they go as partners. So two grade levels will go together and they help each other. And yeah, so the thing that I think has been most um, beneficial about the Student Ambassador Club was that um, teachers who never would even allow it in their classroom, Mm. I'm hearing from kids, hey, we do it on Fun Friday. Hey, we're doing it with this lesson. And and, and it's, it's really cool that so many teachers have you know, started using it. That's awesome. Yeah, and they're branching out and getting more comfortable, yes. which, you know, yeah. I think they find that the kids already know how to play it. So Correct. there's not a huge instructional piece to that. Right, exactly. And that's what I say anytime I do any kind of training. I say, listen, you're the teacher, so you're the curriculum expert. Mm-hmm. They're the kid, so they're the game expert. Mm-hmm. So they're anything that they're going to need to know, I guarantee you there's a kid in that class that knows how to do it. 100%. And that's the yeah. barrier we see with a lot of this stuff, that right. the teachers don't want to dive in because mm-hmm. they're afraid they don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And with being experts in our content, we want to know everything before oh, yes. we teach it. But that's not how technology works. We're never going to know everything. Right. But being able to trust your kids and mm-hmm. allowing them to help guide you is huge. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, as much as I love Minecraft, I definitely don't know probably even a tenth of what, what all could be done in there. But I'm the kids are constantly showing me new things as well. 
now that they've stopped trying to kill me when I was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I started using it in the classroom, I was so familiar with the, the consumer version and not the educational version. So I didn't know that NPCs were available in there. And I, it was students that showed me mm-hmm. based on what they watched on YouTube. I'm pretty sure you can do NPCs on here. You just got to do blah, blah, blah. And they yeah. showed me so many of the educational components. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that went off into figuring out how to make balloons and do mm-hmm. all those extra things that are in the educational platform instead of the consumer yes yes i agree and uh, another thing that i really like about it is that i've made a lot of connections with other people mm-hmm. that you know around the world that right. do minecraft um i had a dan noble yesterday did almost a two-hour session with my kids teaching them how to use block bench to modify cool. entities and what's funny about that is i learned that back in the fall and i mentioned it to the kids and i showed them my sloths that i had made <laughs> and they were like like since then, they have been like, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? And so finally yesterday, and I asked one of the boys, I said, is this the best day of your life? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so they loved it. That's awesome. So, and Dan is awesome. I worked with him on a world so build good. for Texas. Yes, yes. He's and he's so, so generous with yeah, his time. He really is. Yeah. How did you guys connect, you and Dan? Twitter. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I've made a lot of connections on Twitter in the last few months and some of them I've actually met at different conferences and I'm getting ready to meet a whole bunch of ISTE. I'm excited about that. Yay. So, yeah, we're awesome. excited. We're going to that Yay. as well. So we'll all be there together. Yep. Have you been to an EdTech conference like that before? Uh, I've been to FETC a couple of times. Okay. Um, and then other than that, no. Okay. ISTE is just amazing. It's so huge. That's and there's what just I heard. so much there. It's such a great conference. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Well, I wanted to ask you too, and now that you've seen teachers using Minecraft and now we're towards the end of the year, have you heard from them any testimonials about how it's impacted their data, this the students scoring? Like how how is it impacting the actual content learning? Right. So um, I have had teachers tell me that they feel like, especially with the sciences, the ones sure. that are using it for science, mm-hmm. that they feel like that has been helpful. But I've been working one-on-one with an English teacher for fifth grade. So I push into her. She has three classes, so I push in three times. Mm-hmm. And we have been using it for um, learning English and learning history because she teaches both. Um, and so, like, for example, we did a session on figurative language. And so that doesn't exist. So I had to make a world <laughs> and say, look, okay, here's an example. This is a simile. This is a metaphor, you know, that sort of thing. And then they they made their own. And it was so much, it was like when we were questioning them as they're building, well, why is that a simile? They were better able to tell us because they're physically building right. something sure. than yeah. just looking at a piece of paper and looking at samples on a piece of paper. It helps make those connections mm-hmm. so much better. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond Minecraft, is there other ways that you're using technology in the classroom? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Oh, my gosh. So many different things. Oh, you know what? My kids love Canva. Love it. They Actually, they just randomly send me projects that they've made on their own. I just got one today, and it was um, a third grader. She created a, um, a Mario quiz. So, like, how much oh. do you know about Mario? <laughs> and I was like, mm, A? <laughs> yeah, but it was cute. So. And she made that in Canva? Yeah. That's all awesome. On her own. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love that students are using Canva because one of the things that we've talked about on the show is that sometimes Canva has so many options, so yeah. many elements, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing even in fifth grade and, and younger, yeah. they can use it for their own projects yes. and not and, be overwhelmed. And sometimes you can say like, okay, and what I'll do sometimes is I'll start them out and say, okay, listen, we're going to search for this term and then find a template. And then remember, anything on that template can be changed. The way it looks, 
the colors, mm -hmm. the font, all of it can be changed, but it gives you a place to start. But some mm -hmm. of them, they want to start with a blank. They don't They don't want to start with a template. I have enough up here. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Um, My own creation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say another really good app that I use is um, Book Creator. Mm. Oh, Are yeah. you guys familiar? Mm -hmm. yeah. We talked yeah. about it a little bit last episode. Okay. I mistakenly thought it was Adobe, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I use that um, a lot when I partner with my kindergarten and first graders. Mm -hmm. um, we make Mother's Day books. Aww. And then what they do, and it's so cute because, like, they make the book, right? And um, it's all these questions about my mom, my mom. And the funny part is, like, well, how old is your mom? My mom, she's seven or 37. And we literally <laughs> write that, seven or 37, you know, and, and the moms just love it. But um, after we make the book, we publish it, and we make this big deal about, you're published authors now. Uh -huh. And then we make a um, QR code, which they attach to a physical thing that they've made. Uh -huh. Usually it's like a flower in a vase or whatever. Yeah. And we give that to the moms. Oh. And I have to say, I have saved little old yeah. pieces of paper that my kids have written about, you know, what does mom like to do? She likes to sleep. Like all their questions, <laughs> yes. you know, that they answered. Those are so special. Yeah, it's so, so fun. Um the older kids, I always prep the fourth and fifth graders, and I say, now listen, I know what they say is going to sound silly, but you have to type exactly what they say. If they say mom's favorite restaurant is Chick-fil-A, that's what you have to type, you yeah. know? And you have, so the fourth and fifth graders are doing the typing for the younger yes. students. Oh, that's mm -hmm. so cute. Yes, and they're helping them pick out, you know, pictures and things yeah. like that. They're helping them with the design. That's so awesome. Yeah. I'm going to send you my kids' information if you can that with them. Yeah, it's a great project. I really enjoy that's it. It's a lot of fun. And I recently saw on Twitter that you, you had this big thing about flip, like mm -hmm. how you use flip in the classroom. Yes, flip. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, when I was doing the SD course, that was my big thing. I was like, I really like the chance to look at myself and my own teaching and see like, okay, well, where is my, my weakness? And one way that I knew that I was weak, because a kid told me, <laughs> was sharing their work outside oh. of just me oh, looking yeah. at it or even just their peers in my classroom looking mm -hmm. at it. And and one day she raised her hand and she said, well, why are you the one that gets to judge? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I'm the teacher. That's why. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, I, but I knew what she meant. She meant like, why, why don't we have a wider audience? And right. so to me, Flip is the best tool for allowing the students to get their voice out there. And they have so many choices. Like, they don't even have to show their face, like, if they don't want mm -hmm. to, you know? And they can be a pencil or they can be a. a I you love know, the whatever. pencil. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have personally been the pencil yeah. before when I didn't want to show my face. That and a cup of coffee really gets me every I time. I like yeah. the stack of books. <laughs> How they open and talk yeah. with the mouth in the middle. Yeah. So I, I love Flip because it does give them those opportunities to showcase mm -hmm. what they've learned. Um, they can use it as a reflection piece after I teach them. Thing. I can ask them questions about what I taught to see how much they understand. They can respond to each other. And then most recently, I um, participated in a global cultural exchange Neat. where they made videos about what is a day in the life like for them? What is their favorite food? What is um, a like, popular song or dance where you live? And it was really a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But the best part was they got to look at videos from students all over the world. Mm -hmm. And one, one of my boys was like, I'm famous. I have five <laughs> comments. <laughs> it was great That's but it was cute. like that was that to me just really gave me like the warm and fuzzies because it it showed me that I am helping them get their voice out there. Yeah. So yeah. I liked that. And that's perfect for this episode because our, our title, we're going over the ISTE standard creative communicator. Mm -hmm. And then next episode, we talk about yeah. global collaborator, mm -hmm. which yeah. is a, 
all part of what you're talking about, right. getting students the, the voice and the audience for, to broadcast their ideas. Mm-hmm. But I love that a student recognized that their voice should be heard out in yes. other places besides just right, the classroom. Right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so cool. At first, I was kind of taken aback, and I'm like, but you're presenting in class. What do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, but wait, these are amazing, and you should be showing other people. Kind of like the Genius Hour stuff that they just did. Like, I don't yeah. know if you guys have had a chance to look at that. I posted that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they... Those were incredible. And the best part about that was the process of working through the project and them having to figure out every single aspect. Right. You know, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? How do you want to present it? And they uh, they had the autonomy to choose whatever they wanted, you know? Yeah, giving kids the agency to make choices. Mm-hmm. So empowering. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that because of that, I think I got better products, better projects mm-hmm. than if oh, I had sure. just said, this is your topic and you're going to do it on this platform, you know? Yep. Yeah, you had yeah. that buy-in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And for teachers that teach the regular content, finding ways to do that can be difficult. Yes. But that those types of challenges is what motivates your kids. Mm-hmm. Like if you can actually find ways to give them choice in what they're doing and what they're learning or how they're learning or presenting, it's going to make them so much more motivated because these things are not just for STEM. They are for all classrooms. And mm-hmm. you pushing into classrooms kind of showcases that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And at our school, we do have a, a technology plan in place where at each grade level, there's a different um, technology piece they want them to, to use. So, for example, in kindergarten, flip. So all the kindergarten teachers are, are doing flip. They're teaching the kids flip. And then like second grade is PowerPoint. So All second graders are learning how to do PowerPoint. And so... I think that um, is helpful as well, that yeah, we have absolutely. that technology plan in place. And yeah. we say, like, look, this is the expectation. And if you don't know how to do it, get help. I'll help you. Somebody mm-hmm. will help you. Right. Right. But but it, this is what we expect our kids to know by the time they leave in fifth grade. Yeah, That's and awesome. that builds each yeah. year. So mm-hmm. my first grade, their choices could be flip and PowerPoint mm-hmm. or second grade yep. or whatever. Yep. You know, so yeah. think about by the time they get to fifth grade, all of the different platforms they're going to be confident in that they can choose what they want to do. So right. that's really neat. Yep. And then when they leave fifth grade, they're not just capable of the programs, but they have all these added skills like mm-hmm. collaboration, communication, yes. you know, all these types of things that we've been talking about because they've been using technology, not mm-hmm. because they just know the, the platform. Mm-hmm. And obviously yep. they can advocate for themselves yeah. if they feel like they are not <laughs> yes. being given the option to do <laughs> yes. all of it. Things that they Definitely. know they should be. <laughs> I feel like it kind of helps them even develop self-confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I have a great story. I have this um, young man. He's in my fifth grade class, and I've had him since third grade. And in third grade, he was scared to even, like, touch the computer. Uh-huh. Like, he, if anything popped up on his screen, he would raise his hand and be like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, what, what do you think you should do? And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I remember talking to his mom earlier this year because, you know, I've had him for a couple years now. And she's like, He's like a different kid. He has so much confidence now. He doesn't, you know, like, because one day I just said to him, I said, just just push the button. Just push the button. If if something (laughs) bad happens, we'll fix it. But just just do it. Yeah. He was terrified, but he did it. (laughs) (laughs) And so after that, I just saw each each week, just his confidence, just continuing to build and build and build. Uh And um, and it showed in his Genius Hour project this year. Like he needed very little direction from me. Mm -hmm. And he came up with an amazing project. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Just a testament to the culture and the climate that you've created in your classroom. The fact that they are comfortable enough to say, hey, we want to do this too. Or, you know, that they're not afraid to speak up. I think that says a lot about you. Oh, thank you. Well, this has been awesome. Thanks for sharing so much about your classroom and your school and things you guys guys are doing. Um, And you've mentioned Twitter a couple times. Where can people find you on Twitter to join your PLN? Uh, So my Twitter is at NIEB77. Awesome. 
And you're going to stick around to play a little game with us in yes, the dessert segment. I love the dessert segment. <laughs> <laughs> all right, with all that out of the way, let's jump into the main course. For today's main course, we're going to be going and breaking down ISTE standard 1.6 called Creative Communicator. But before we do, Kelly is going to quickly recap the last standard we discussed, Computational Thinker. All right. So Computational Thinker, um, we discussed, we kind of all had some problems wrapping our heads around it. But in the end, it is truly focused on the way students go about understanding and solving problems and are able to utilize technology to develop and test solutions. It focuses on how students approach a problem, how they break down problems, how they use, analyze, and represent data to solve those problems, and how they can use automation and algorithmic thinking to create and test solutions. We also discussed ways that teachers are already naturally doing some of these things in their classrooms and how they can easily take it to the next level by incorporating some tools that do a great job with introducing algorithmic thinking through coding, such as B-Bots, Minecraft, Lego Robotics, and even simple ways to visually represent data through Excel, PowerPoint, and Canva. Great. And Kim talked a little bit about that in her interview, um, talking about the coding that goes on with B-Bops in her classroom, even with kindergartners. Right. So cool. um, very, very cool. So today we're talking about the ISTE standard creative communicator, which is our second to last standard, kind of crazy that we're at this point already in season two. And right off the bat, I think about how different this one is when I was going into it than I thought with computational thinker. Mm -hmm. As a teacher, which if you're listening, you probably are, or you know a teacher and you're just giving them all the juicy information, you are a communicator. This is what you do for a profession. And reading communication from your students is also a skill that you've developed over a number of years. There's all different types of communication. So we have micro communication, like body language, gestures, reading facial expressions. Those are all ways of communicating that we do with our students. I remember when I was in, up in front of the classroom a lot, I would try to read certain kids' faces that had a more expressive mm-hmm. facial expression, like that would either nod and kind of smile at me as I was speaking and I would kind of get, okay, they're kind of getting it. Or the other kids that would give you the frowny faces like like they had no idea what was going on, like what you just said made no sense. And I always knew to go back. So there's those types of communication. Then there's like the macro, which is like write me a three-page paper. Mm-hmm. That's the a different type of communication where you get to test what your students know in a very different way. But for this, we need to think about how are we being intentional in the way they communicate to us? How are we designing methods for them to communicate in creative ways? So the standard is really broken down into four parts, like all the SC standards are. And the first one, I'm not going to read them verbatim, but the first one is really about the students being able to choose the platform Mm -hmm. for their communication. That's pretty self-explanatory. The second one is about creating something new out of information they've gained, which we talked a little bit about with knowledge construction. So you take information that you've been given and you create a new product. So this is just... How are we creating new product through communication? And I like that this one specifically mentions remixing. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Which is <laughs> super cool. Yeah. And then the third one is about communicating complex ideas, but with visuals, digital products, digital objects, uh, models, and simulations. And the fourth one is about finding ways to publish that information. Mm-hmm. And actually, Kim talked about that in her interview, yeah, too, did. that that was a weakness of hers and that she had to find ways to broadcast kids ideas and the kid actually brought that up to her which I loved yeah because that students don't usually communicate that with teachers like Mm -hmm. here's something I think you're you need to do better right or even think of that specific thing I think because I don't 
I think our just school in general is so tied down to you do the work for this class and that's that's it. That's the end of the line. Mm-hmm. But for a student to recognize that that shouldn't be the end of the line. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we sharing this outside of our classroom? Totally. And I, I always remember, too, I was stuck at the end of a hallway when I was in the classroom. And I remember walking in every day to my high school and seeing this these beautiful displays of art that the art teacher had that was right at the main entrance, which was great for visitors of the school. But nobody came down my hallway to see the stuff that I hung up from, from my kids. And I didn't really take it a step further and think about how can I broadcast these kids' ideas in a digital way, which mm-hmm. now we have so many tools that you can do, which I wish I could have you know seen back then. That's kind of the, the gist of when you leave the mm-hmm. classroom, you're like, oh, man, I yeah, wish I could do only, this now. <laughs> yeah. But unlike the other standards, I think of these four as a checklist that I, I want to encourage teachers to do. Mm-hmm. So the first thing as you're making an assignment, is there something that they can choose their tool in using? So that's the first thing. Can they do that? Check. Are they creating something new? That's the second thing. Check. Will they use visuals in this new creation? Yes. Check. And then how can you publish this? So that is just a really easy checklist for teachers. Whereas like a lot of the other ISTE standards, you might see connections, but it's like, okay, I'm going to focus on this one part of the standard. Yeah. With this one, let's just put it all together, make a quick list. And it's an easy one for, te- for teachers to really hone in on and make sure that they're allowing this to happen in their classroom, allowing this to happen outside their classroom too, with their homework and their projects and their group work. This type of communication should be going on in every content area, regardless of what you're teaching and for every grade level too. There's always opportunities for this K through 12. And I love that you broke it down into such simplistic terms, because if you think about like the purpose, this is simple and it is a good checklist. But if you think about it, these kids are going to have to be able to go out into the workforce. They're going to have to be able to communicate, not just in PowerPoint slides, Mm -hmm. but in video conferencing, in webinars, face to face. And if you think about where are, I mean, everybody has phones, their faces are buried in their phones. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is an area that's really struggled. And, you know, even to the point with all the social media and being able to communicate through social media, you know, taking a step back and thinking about, is this something that I really should put out there? Is this, you know, communication that's going to be effective or, you know, purposeful? And so even though this is simpler to do like a checklist, I think this is one of the most important ones because we really have to make sure we're embedding this into everything we do so that we are creating kids that can go out there and communicate, not only digitally, but face-to-face and in a variety of different ways. Yeah, totally. I mean, like I said before, there's so many kinds of communication that it doesn't have to be a video. Right. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be audio. It could be something written that is communication. an infographic, which is such a specific and challenging task because you really have to get out where you have to pull out the core content of what you want to present. Like, what are the fewest words and simplest images that I can include to get this message across? Mm-hmm. It's like, it can be used in so many different ways, but that's a good option. And to be able to give students the choice, okay, this is your task. What would be the best tool, the best medium to present this to your audience? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think a really good place to start, because we know sometimes kids get stumped and they don't know where to start. But thinking about chat GPT, too, you know, putting a prompt in there, getting some kind of start to their template and then taking that, adding to it and running with it. Or even the speech, speaker coach, you know, yeah. for kids that might have anxiety if they have to present, giving them a safe private place where they can present and get feedback on how they're doing before they have to actually go up. So there's a lot of tools that support this also in all those different standards. And templates with mm-hmm. the whole remix thing just yeah. made me think of Adobe Express. And they have 
several templates in their educator library. They have lessons already created and you just click to remix this template and you just share that remix link with your students and they can take that and run with it and be able to edit and do so many iterations of whatever it is that they're trying to communicate in a really quick amount of time and be able to get peer feedback to revise and edit and so you can incorporate this particular standard with several other standards as well which is well, something I really like about it because you really do need the other standards to fill in kind of the content and some of those other processes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, I, I think about all the tools that we mentioned on this uh, podcast all the time and almost all of them can be used for some form of communication, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so really with the, the first part, just choosing the tool, as long as you're exposing your students to these tools throughout the year, you're presenting them options. That presentation of these options is going to allow them to have more agency when you do give them an assignment that requires them to communicate, which is really any assignment. <laughs> right. But, you know, that's the whole point. Like, let's teach our kids these tools, and these platforms so that they can be agents of their own learning through technology. Yeah. And it can be done, obviously, at a school wide level, too, as Kim talked about in our appetizer in our interview, how her school utilizes a specific tool for each grade level, focusing on teaching those students where we're just going to focus on this one and then we're going to add this one to the mix. Then by the time fifth grade comes around, the students have you know, a pocket full of tools that they can choose from at any given time. We've done things in our trainings with like making a meme or things like that. That's another way, like kids love doing that kind of communicating. It's a quick check of knowledge and it doesn't need to be like long form. It's very, very simple. But these tools like Canva, you just type in the word meme into the, you know, the search bar and all of a sudden you have all these great meme templates mm -hmm. that kids are like, oh, that's funny. Let me think about how that's related, how that can make that into a history context for this quick check in that I'm doing or this exit ticket. That's... And kids will sit and watch videos of memes, memes, <laughs> right. memes, memes. So they understand how a meme works and yeah. they can easily apply that to a content area. Yeah. Topic. And another thing related to that, there's um, progressive choice boards, which is a type of choice board. And the idea is that you start off with you, every student does this activity using this platform. So they learn that that gets added to your class's progressive choice board. And every time you do one, so the first time you use the platform, everybody uses it, does the same thing. But the idea is by, you know, end of first quarter, first semester, you've gone through all the tools the students have available to them. And that second quarter comes around or second semester comes around, then you're able to give them free choice so they can choose from any of those tools that they've already utilized in class. That's cool. I think of it like a video game, which a lot of kids probably could understand the context of, but like a, uh, a character on an adventure in a mm -hmm. game or like a, even Pokemon. You start off just walking, you're basic, you got no tools in your tool belt. And then you develop one, you're like, okay, now I can ride the bike, I can travel more places, I can do th these sorts of things. And eventually over time, your character gets developed and you get to choose and have options on what the character can do. That's, you're the main character in the story. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just about how do you want to broadcast your understanding of what you're learning. Yeah, so the, that broadcast is your boss fight. So you gotta choose <laughs> right. the, the correct tools that will help you either stay powerful or fight against this particular boss. Yeah. It's a good analogy. I yeah. do, I like that. And Took that, me a second for boss fights. <laughs> like, oh, they're still talking about video games. <laughs> and then how do they publish the work and to whom is, is a big question. I think teachers struggle with this because there's privacy concerns, which mm -hmm. we brought up on this mm -hmm. podcast before. But a lot of the stuff that we are advocating to publish to, like a flip or like a wakelet, is still publishing. You decide then where that content goes. So if my kid's 
put their projects onto a shared Wakelet collection. I can then choose, I'm gonna share this with this parent group. I'm gonna share this with my administrator group. I'm gonna share this with those types of like, that sharing is under your control. Right. And it's all in house. You get to decide along with your students Publishing doesn't necessarily mean I get to put it on Google and the whole wide world can see it. Mm -hmm. It's controlled publishing to the point where kids feel like somebody other than the one person grading this assignment is going to see my work, mm -hmm. which validates their work. Mm -hmm. It gives them more motivation to do a better job, even though we think grades are the end-all be-all in motivation. It's not. It's yeah. certainly not. And yeah. you can see that anytime a kid, anytime you put on like a parent night and your kids get to broadcast their ideas to their own parents or other parents, it's like you see the kids glow up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the point we're trying to make with all of their work projects just digitally. And that goes back even to the first standard in this. I know we've been talking about the last standard about publishing, but the first standard says, you know, choosing the appropriate platforms for meeting the desired objectives of their creation or communication. So knowing when kids are starting out with a project, who their intended audience is, mm -hmm. is going to affect which tools they use, how they're going to present it, where it's going to be. And that overlaps with a lot of the other ISTE domains we've talked about, you know, making something and, and having a purpose for a desired audience. Yeah. I mean, even just getting kids to have other kids listen to their stuff or see their stuff within the school. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be parents or yeah, right. be like, I had, I, did, I just did a tech talk on how kids can make podcasts and it's really simple using Flip. They just record audio and they put it into a Wakelet or they can record using Canva or Adobe Express, but they put it into a Wakelet and that way other kids can view or listen to other kids' podcast episodes or segments and just doing that, I can imagine a lot of kids being like, oh, did you listen? Yeah. Did you see what I said? Or mm -hmm. I made that joke? Or did you hear my background music that I found? That kind of stuff spurs imaginative learning, I think, mm -hmm. which is really just the focus of this in any classroom setting. It doesn't matter what grade level. I'm, yeah. All this can be applied. Mm -hmm. All right, with all of that out of the way, let's jump into the dessert. dessert segment we are going to play a game that we've played in um season one episode eight we played a, a game that i called then 21 cld limericks that was season one that was season one wow i know feels like it's yesterday and yeah that's eight, true right at the end um but today we're gonna bring it back and play ed tech limericks <laughs> so last time i wrote limericks by myself this time i utilized chat gpt uh to see if what it could do and it did a Pretty good job, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> um, so all the lyrics that I read today were written by ChatGPT with very little prompting and guidance from me. I gave it a very simple prompt. Simply, can you write a limerick that ends with, and I gave it what I wanted it to end with. And um, then I did have to regenerate a few times because it was putting, I wanted it at the very end. And it was putting the word in weird places, and some of the rhymes didn't make sense. But in the end, I only had to edit one because they used the word, that, or it used the word that didn't make any sense. Is it an um, it? I guess it's an it. Yeah. I'm not sure. I it's called it him the other day. He got mad at me. So. <laughs> um, so, anyways, all of the limericks were written by that, which really is kind of cool because. The When I wrote for 21 CLD limericks, it took a lot of time to write them and took me several days and me just racking my brain trying to come up with these rhymes. And they were and, great. And oh, get yeah. it to make sense. Um, but it took me maybe an hour with ChatGPT with the regenerating and copying and pasting and changing out the applications I gave it to write with. 
So knowing that, if I were a teacher in the classroom still, being able to like come up with these quick little games and or mm-hmm. just really anything, prompts, whatnot, mm-hmm. by using something like ChatGPT, I would do that way more often. Um, so a really powerful tool, I think, that can be uh-huh. leveraged well. So anyways, enough about my rant about ChatGPT. <laughs> um, we do have our guest, Kim, joining us. Um, so we'll go over how the game works. I'm going to read some EdTech-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing. So that last word or phrase will be an EdTech platform or tool. Okay. Um, most of them are ones that we talk about and use often. There are a couple that we don't necessarily talk about and use often so those will be a little bit tricky Um, challenge we will start off with a fun one not ed tech related but place related so each limerick will end with a place um so the content in the limericks can be used as a tool but your best hint is the rhymes so the last word will rhyme with the or will rhyme with the first the exact two. rhymes or just sort of <laughs> they're pretty exact rhymes. Okay. Yeah. Oh I try to make it so that that much easy at least. Um so we decided before we started recording that we're going to play as whoever is able to shout out the answer first. Yep. That's the point. All right, so here's our first one. Remember, this is on a place. There once was a surfer named Kai who loved to catch waves up high. He rode them with grace and a smile on his face in the beautiful land of Dubai. I don't know. <laughs> it's something with place or face, right? Oh, I thought it had no, no, no. Or was it rhymes with the first one? Okay. See, I can't even get the rhyme. So the rhyme scheme is A A B. Okay. B-A. Apparently, I needed a little refresher from season one. But think about more of the context. Something about surfing up high mm-hmm. in the sky. <laughs> that rhymes. The rhyme for this one isn't perfect. Oh, okay. Great. Starting off with it's one close. that's not perfect. <laughs> Depends on how you pronounce it. Oh. Hmm. Oh. We are starting off with a bang. This is the same way we started off when we did it last time. <laughs> Can you give us, is it a city? Is it a country? It's a place. It's not neither. Oh, it's either of those. Is, oh. is there like okay. a, I don't know. But if you surfing, think of anything, that's, isn't that going to be... Like the beach or something? I would think so. I can't think of anything that rhymes with I. (laughs) All right, we give up. Hawaii. Oh, that was a terrible rhyme. Unless you're saying Hawaii. Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the rhyme for that one wasn't that right. All right, chat GPT. Okay, the next one, the rhyme is spot on. Okay. Okay. There once was a matador from Maine whose bullfighting skills were quite plain. He trained day and night until he got it just right and became a star in... Spain. Yes. Yes! High five! Okay. Um, I wanted to interrupt you and say it, but... (laughs) I know this one. I'm not going to be that kid. Okay, so next one. There was a young artist named Sally whose paintings were quite the finale. She went to explore all the art that she adored in the beautiful country of... Valley? No, the rhyme isn't quite right with this one either. I was going to say in the valley. But think about (laughs) spellings, and it is a country. Itali? Yes! (laughs) Wow. Itali? I have to revisit my does it really rhyme question. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yes, I should have read these out loud to myself. (laughs) I've been to Itali. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Wonderful food there. (laughs) Ready? Now we're in EdTech. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're doing great. We're doing great. <laughs> okay. 
There was a young student named Liz whose love for learning was hard to miss. <laughs> she's, she'd study all day, and to test her way, she'd challenge her friends on... Quizzes! quizzes. Yes! Oh, nice! <laughs> I'm giving that to Niebauer. <gasps> no! <laughs> you can just put the Kims as one. Okay, next one. There was a young man with great craft whose building skills made others gasp. He'd spend hours each day molding blocks of all shades to create wondrous things in Minecraft. Minecraft. I, I couldn't get that one. I was, I was like, <laughs> giving us all a point. Yes, I think we all had that after the first sentence. Yeah. In class, the teacher said with a quip, "Your next class will be a fun trip to make a presentation and show your imagination on a tool that we call flip." <laughs> there was a young artist named Ava. Whose designs were much better than Java, but Java. She'd draw and she'd sketch, then she'd flawlessly etch her works of art using. Is it Canva? Canva? Yes. Canva question mark? Okay. Where are we on points? Four, four, four. Oh, That's because we all keep saying all of them. <laughs> well, there's maybe there'll be a hard one in here somewhere. It would not be out of norm for a teacher to use this platform to quiz for knowledge or poll for desi desired college with none other than a forms. forms. <laughs> Microsoft Forms, yeah. Yeah, Microsoft oh. Forms. <laughs> you have to say Microsoft Forms. All right, I'm giving <laughs> me about so that, that is nonsense, Kelly <laughs> Prideri. Kimberly Landry, if you've done that to me, I don't know how many times. <laughs> it's true, I have. Okay. Yep, our guest got that 100% correct. Yay. All right. There once was a musician of note whose compositions seemed to emote. With his pen and his muse, he could never refuse to jot down his ideas in Microsoft OneNote. One <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta say Microsoft's test if we can't okay, get it. All right, Land Troop, we'll give you that one. <laughs> no, she got that one too. We both get it. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> all right, this is the last one. There was a teacher from abroad whose lessons were never flawed. With slides that were clear and lessons so dear, she taught them all with... Curapod. Nearpod. Oh. Oh. I didn't have it until you said Curapod. <laughs> what is Curapod? Uh, so Curapod is, uh, it uses AI, generative AI, and it will actually create a presentation for you. You just type in what you want the presentation to be on and bam. That's cool like that. That is cool. That is it's cool. Amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, well, we have a tie. The Kims. Oh, I do have a tiebreaker, oh, but the rhyme is oh, gosh. bad. Oh, oh no. perfect. <laughs> Even better. I love it. Which I didn't notice until um, just before. Well, do you want okay. to pause and read it and try to change it? Huh? No. Oh, okay. Let's see if we can get it. Um, based on the context of the, the content in the limerick. There once was a student named Luke who loved playing games with a fluke. His favorite to play in class every day was a quiz game called... Kahoot! Yeah, <laughs> we got it. We got it. I, I think both Kims win. Yeah, yeah Kim yeah. squared. Kim yeah. squared are the winners. K squared. <laughs> All right. So thank you for joining us on our silly game today. You're and welcome. well, I guess I was wrong when I said uh, Chat DPT did a perfect job, but uh, not bad. For yeah, not bad. Yeah, no, it was really it was fun, good. and those yeah. were good. They were not too. They were. Not too and difficult. I was really impressed that I didn't give it any educational context, and it made everything educational for the most part, except for one note. 
Um, but that's true. Like, even the Minecraft one talked about the blocks and the worlds and, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, there was context yeah. built in. Right. I thought, it, I thought it was pretty good. It's pretty impressive. Just the rhymes. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, AI's got to work on the it's rhymes. better than I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I would be struggling. But we, of course, as always, we'd love to hear how this game could be used in your classes and even more how possibly you can see something like ChatGPT helping to do the legwork. Share your thoughts by tweeting at DCPS EdTechBytes with hashtag EdTechLimericks and let us know your thoughts. Or try your hand at writing your own limerick with ChatGPT and share it for the chance of having it featured on a future episode. Thank you so much for joining us today and remember to follow us on Twitter to keep the conversation going. Until next time, I'm Mike. I'm Kelly. And I'm Kim. Thank you so much for listening to EdTechBytes. Bye-bye.